Welcome to False Bottom Girls, a podcast about the wonderful yet sometimes confusing world of beer and brewing. Hi, I'm Rachel Hudson, owner of Pilot Brewing and an Advanced Cicerone. Hi, I'm Jen Blair, sensory expert, home brewer, and Advanced Cicerone. Hello, Rachel. Hello, Jen. I think nice, we've talked nice about... Nice to see you. Yeah, you too. <laughs> we've um, talked about this, I think, before, about how I keep a little notebook by my bed to make notes on when like I have insomnia or when I have stupid ideas like the dromedary dairy drama. Um, and then she transfers them into her phone that we read later at bars. Yeah. No, actually <laughs> this is a completely independent list of ah. notes in my phone. Wow. Well, um, but I'm I do. Cute. Yeah. I do have my newest ones in my notes app on my phone is the emotional equivalent of a turtleneck under a sweatshirt. How do you prepare prepared horseradish? <laughs> what do you think it feels like to be Chris Kattan or Will Ferrell and always having to wonder if people playing baby don't hurt me is on purpose or if it's just playing. <laughs> so <laughs> those are some of my thoughts that, that you I, wake I, up I in the middle of the night and write down. That's a long Oh, one. no, no. The, that's those are independent. Those are oh, like, okay. That's just my normal brain. Yeah. The stuff that I <laughs> oh, okay. on most of the time is just stays in that notebook. Yeah. So last night, uh, I, and I think we've also talked about this. Rachel and I love to reschedule our podcast <laughs> recordings. We will push it back for literal weeks. <laughs> and I realized yesterday that we were recording this morning. And I realized like last night at like 7 p.m. And was just like, oh, God, I've got to prep. And I have been sleeping in. I don't want to get up early. So, you know, I'm texting Rachel. I'm like, hey, can we can we reschedule? We can't reschedule. Fine. Here we are. That was totally it's like fine. the first time ever. I know. Right. And <laughs> yeah. So it's really rare that both of us that, like it just doesn't work for us, which is fine because I like I needed to get up early anyway. But I'm laying there last night and I'm just like, oh, I got to get up and I've got to prep this podcast. And these are the topics we're going to talk about. And my therapist has said, like, I started keeping the notebook by my bed because she was like, when you can't sleep, just try writing down what's on your brain, like what you're thinking of, because sometimes just writing it down will help quiet, like quiet down your mind. Right. Um, which is where I get like, well, like the drama dairies, dairy drama was me waking up in the middle of the night thinking that I was hilarious. <laughs> so last night I'm laying there and I'm thinking about all this stuff I've got to do. And like the, the meditation app isn't working. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to reach over. I'm just going to write down what all, all of the stuff, all of these flavors I'm thinking of that we're going to talk about tomorrow. And I haven't looked at it yet to see what it looks like. Cause I'm also writing this in the dark while like laying on my side. <laughs> um, so who knows, but I did write down most of the same flavors that you have on this list today. So I feel happy about that. <laughs> uh, but I forgot to get the list and see what it actually looks like. But in like with all of these stupid things that I've written, there is going to be one page that's like acetic acid, isoamyl acetate, 4EP, 4VG. And I forgot what one of the other ones was that I wrote down. <laughs> that I wrote down. I will like, I will make that the the picture for, <laughs> for today's episode notes yes which is something that we i i remember you bringing this up back when pilot first opened and we started doing beer education and we were talking about topics i think this is such a good topic 
which is oh yeah off flavors that can be on flavors yeah. or off and, flavors as off flavors right exactly however and, you want to look at it right flavors we talked about this when we talked about the aging flavors in beer is that something like a rejection threshold is going to be compound and context specific and we can really widen that to flavors in beer are compound and context specific so the example that dr simpson gave was if you see a clown at a clown convention, that's appropriate. You're not surprised by seeing a clown at a clown convention. If you see somebody dressed like a clown at a funeral, that's probably inappropriate. Yeah. Right. And so when we're talking about flavors, there are certain flavors that are going to always be considered a flaw in beer. Mm -hmm. You know, trans two, not at all. Um, that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. But there are some that are, are just always, if it's there, it's a fault. And that doesn't mean that you have to dislike it. Like, I don't mind the flavor of trans 2 non and all, especially the trans 2 non and all spice in some Amstelite. I do not mind that flavor at all. That is weird. I'm, I know. I, <laughs> I mind that flavor when I've paid money for the beer. Yeah. <laughs> so it is important when we're talking about off flavors is that sometimes they can be on flavors and yep. it's going to be compound and context specific. And I mean, you can extrapolate a lot of these flavors into like, well, yeah, if you got this in an American lager, it would be a fault. That's not exactly what we're talking about here today because that's a little yeah, obvious. The, yes, exactly. There's lots of examples like that. Right. But like there are right. times when acetic acid is allowable in a beer, you know, that that's a clown at a clown convention, mm -hmm. not exactly. a clown at a funeral. Yeah. No, that's so a good I, way to put it. I really like this that you, I mean, you've, you've been, you brought this up like six years ago now. Just, but... We just have a long to-do list, that's all. Right, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, let's start off with acetic acid. You know, this is produced by yeast, uh, yeast growth during fermentation, and but too much of it can contaminate your beer. And wild yeast can produce excess levels of acetic acid. So it's actually present in all beer, but the carrot. But it is, sorry, it is the characteristic for, characteristic for some styles. And so acetic acid, a lot of people say it's like vinegar. I think the one thing that we I learned for myself the last time we took his class, Bill's class, was that it's like, not like vinegar that you straight, like straight vinegar in your mouth. It's like a secondhand vinegar character, like, a like an extra sourness in the flavor, but the pH is not changing. And that was a aha moment for me because yes. every time I'm like, I don't get vinegar. Like everyone says vinegar and I'm like, I guess it's sourish, but it's not straight vinegar. And it's not, it's not straight vinegar. And you have to learn different ways to detect it. And um, so this is going to be appropriate in like your Flanders red, Lambic styles, kind of your wild yeast contaminant styles, but it's not going to be appropriate in high levels and like your American clean ales. So, I mean, that's just a perfect example of that right now. For me, right. there's a sharpness in the aroma. So when I do like a deep, long sniff, mm -hmm. I want to sneeze. Yeah. you Like it irritates your nasal. It's irritation. Yeah. And that's what helps me clue in because you can get a light dose of acetic acid and be like, this isn't that bad, you know, because it's not. If it's in the right beer, if you're having a Flanders red or brown ale, it's delicious. The other thing that helps me with, particularly with like acetic and lactic, when I was learning what the difference are between the two of them, acetic, you can smell. Acetic has an aroma. 
Mm -hmm. lactic does lactic in really really high doses like if you've got like a whole thing of lactic acid like you used to adjust your brewing water then you can smell it yeah um, but you, you don't just like in a regular beer you're not really going to smell lactic no you might taste it well you yeah. will taste it but with lactic acid that does produce a sour taste so mm -hmm. you can plug your nose take a drink and you can feel that acidity on your palate Whereas with acetic acid, you won't get that. So yeah. if, you know, if you can, if you're to the point in your tasting experience where you can say like, okay, th this is acidic, there's something acidic here, and you're trying to learn the difference between acetic and lactic, those are two ways that you, actually three ways, because the the irritation in your nose is another yeah. way. And that's something that I teach people when I do the off-flavor classes and we use the infection spike which is a blend of acetic acid and diacetyl is, you know, if you smell it, you can, you will feel that irritation in your nose. Mm -hmm. But yeah, acetic acid in uh, Flanders red is wonderful. Acetic acid because your draft lines are dirty is fucking Not wonderful. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. It can also come from contamination of wild yeast in your draft line, just like mm -hmm. uh, lactobacillus bacteria or lactic right. acid bacteria. Sorry. Yeah. Right. Right. So um, then the next one we have is isoamyl acetate, bananas. Bananas, which is delicious yeah, yeah, in a German Hefeweizen. Yes. Although um, one thing that, and I know we've talked about doing an entire episode on Hefeweizen. When I was in Chile judging, uh, we did Best of Show and there was a German brewer who was on the Best of Show panel with us. And when we went around and said, like, these are our top few uh i think two or three of us said there was a german hefeweizen on the table we said yes and you know immediately like i i knew when i thought okay this is my top i'm like i know she's not she's gonna say absolutely not because she's german and she's got very strong opinions and i understand that um because you know like americanized hefeweizens are are going to be a different thing than a traditional hefeweizen but one thing that she and one of the other panelists said was that like a traditional German Hefeweizen does not have very much of this isoamyl acetate, true. which yeah. is, is something that's interesting to me because like, that's how I always learned like, yeah. oh, this is a, a Hefeweizen yeast is that it's got a lot of banana, artificial banana flavor in it. And one thing I've always wanted to do, oh, you know what, when we do our episode on Hefeweizen, we'll both do this is actually get like a lineup yeah. Of different German Hefeweizens because there, they you know, all there are some, there are some that have yeah. like a very banana forward and others that are very clove forward. Yep. And I like, I would just like to be better at knowing the difference. Like how does Vine Stefan it throws Hefeweiz off, it throws differ? off people like that. Like our, when our, like the team at pilot studying for second level Cicero doing their tasting exam. If I do that, if I give them a German Hefe, they look, for that isoamyl acetate and it throws mm -hmm. them off if that example isn't high in it and i've tried to not cater to them in that way and make sure like to switch it up and give them a like vine stefaner and schneider weiss they have one i can't remember which one and that kills me right now but one has a significantly higher isoamyl acetate character than the other mm -hmm. and they it will it will mess them up sometimes yeah, yeah, and I mean, I can definitely see, particularly if you have like a very clove forward Hefeweizen, how you can mistake that for a Belgian blonde or yeah. a wit beer. You know, there there oh, are especially other like Lefe Blonde. There. Lefe yes. Blonde is smelling that a carnation. Fucks me up every time. Yeah, 
it's straight up for VG. <laughs> You're just like, you look for the clarity in that one. That's all I got to yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. I always like, I always forget about the existence of Belgian Blondale when I'm in an exam situation. Uh, and yeah, the clove that just always throws me off. So yeah, if you have a very like, if the isoamyl acetate level is really low, then it's, you know, it, it's easy to mistake. And Belgian beers style. can have isoamyl acetate too. It's not just exactly. like, I mean, right. actually all beers. All beer are, will have isoamyl acetate yeah. to an extent. It's just all about, you know, what kind of wort production it has been given, what kind of yeast strain it has been given and whether or how much of that character is going to be brought out of the beer or not and fermentation temperature right. and conditions. Right. So yeah, this is a good example with isoamyl acetate of, you know, the, in a half of Eisen tasting that that's the clown of the clown convention. Mm -hmm. If you give me your IPA and it's got a high level of isoamyl acetate, that's a clown at a funeral, right? Yeah. It's just like, Oh, something went wrong with your fermentation. Yeah. And so that's a, another good, like, and then I, I know we've said this before, but Brett beer is impossible to have isoamyl acetate in the presence of Brett. Brett will break down isoamyl acetates into its individual components. So you would never get that for some reason. If you did, I don't know, dump it immediately. It might kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe if you like added, added isoamyl banana acetate. flavor, like artificial banana, like if you just put a bunch of brunts in a wild beer. Maybe if you just add spike to your bread beer, let's spike a bread beer one day. Oh, what if we do that? And it's like when you put Mentos in Coca-Cola. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like, yeah, it, let's do it. I bet it, I bet it's not, I bet it does break it down if you gave it time. Right. But I bet if we tried it immediately and we could have that combination in our mouths, if we really want to. Funky banana. But yeah, uh, and also beers with uh, elevated alcohol will also have some isoamyl acetate. But one of the things, and I know we've got diacetyl in here too, that we talk about with, you know, some beer styles will have an allowable amount of a certain flavor. And usually that's just a concession to, okay, it's with brewing, it's one step forward, two steps back. So yeah. yes, you want a high ABV beer. Yes, that also means that isoamyl acetate will be a part or like even ethyl acetate will be a part of that overall flavor profile. But the point is that it's part of the overall profile. If you get a beer and you know, you're, let's say you're describing a high ABV beer and you're like, I get ethyl acetate, I get some isoamyl acetate, I get some, you know, like rose acetate, um, which I know that's not the name of it. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but you know, you, you'll get all of these that if you're going looking for them, you can find them. Whereas if you smell like a high ABV beer and it just smells like straight isoamyl acetate, yeah, that's no. a flaw. Like if it's yeah. high enough that you're wondering, is this too high to be a low level? It is. And I think loggers are a good example with that too, because you can find isoamyl acetate in small amounts in some loggers. And I think that has to do with the type one and type two lager strains, right. which one you're using, um, like Heineken, I think it's a good example of finding Heineken is so high in isoamyl acetate. It and, is. And that banana. is, that sounds weird, right? Like a lager should not have high doses of isoamyl acetate, but certain lager strains do produce that. And it's not necessarily an off flavor because that it is part of the characteristics, but it can be very. I don't know if uh, the white way to say it. It's it's not off flavor, but it's not an on flavor either. If that makes sense, like you don't right. have to have that. Right. It's yeah, concession flavor. 
Yeah. It's there because the yeast produces it. Mm -hmm. So shocker. I that's I learned that for the first time in Bill's class. Mm -hmm. Probably should have already known it, but this is part of it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so we just talked about diacetyl um, a little bit, but and we, you know, we have two full episodes on diacetyl, but that's another one that is acceptable in small amounts in English shales. And we've talked about this in a few different contexts, just with English ales being high flocculators, that means that the, you know, the yeast is falling out of suspension quicker. So there's not as much opportunity for that yeast to clean up the diacetyl, which is also why, you know, we talked about like the different squares methods that English brewers will use to kind of keep that yeast in suspension and keep it housed. And one thing that I guess I will find out for myself in um, two weeks, Rachel, when we are in, well, by the time this episode comes out, we will be back from our trip to the Czech Republic. Aha. Oh, but you're going to. Mm, mm, mm. One of the things it. that I I have heard, I'm curious to learn myself, is, and this is something that I, you know, I, I say in my slides and everything is that low levels of diacetyl are acceptable in Czech lagers. And the reason I was told is because Pilsner or Kell's yeast is bad at reducing diacetyl. or just not as efficient at reducing diacetyl. However, I've heard at like everyone who goes to Pilsner or Kell in Pilsen says there's not diacetyl in that beer. There is Has that been your experience? 100%. 100%. Now, I, I think it just hasn't had the t- I think you're just drinking fresh beer and it hasn't had the time to keep doing what it needs to do. Like we get aged beer in the bottle that's coming over on a ship. It has lots mm-hmm. of time to keep maybe forming diacetyl because why else would we have this high diacetyl bomb with their beer here? I don't think they're adding anything to make that. It's so much fresher there. I don't know why. Like, so on the tour now, okay. I spent, I spent most of my time in Prague. I drove to Pilsen for the tour and came back. So like I was there at Pilsner Kell. That is my experience drinking Pilsen beer and Pilsen. For the people who take the tour, they have a small area with open fermentation barrels that you can like see, but that's also the beer that you drink on the tour because they they produce it strictly for tour reasons. Right. You just scoop your hand down into the yeah. open thing. And... You just take your shoe off and you just get your pour. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah, whatever you've got handy. Now you drink your bra it, cup. You, <laughs> you do get a, a pour from the like straight barrel, like while you're down there. But like then when you go up to the bar, all that beer at the bar is being supplied from that as well as mm-hmm. far as i know it's a shit ton of beer so it's like super fresh so that's the only thing i can think of it's just really fresh this is not full of diacetyl it's delicious and crisp and you're gonna yeah. love it which i you know again in pilsner or cal specifically with that little bit of diacetyl it adds to the overall character of the beer it doesn't detract from it but i have had pilsner or cal i was doing a training uh with one of my former jobs where the Pilsner Cal that we use had so much diacetyl and it was a good learning opportunity to say like, okay, this is a flaw. Like this is fault level of diacetyl yes. in this beer. Whereas if you normally have a Pilsner Cal, it will have a little bit of diacetyl. If you're really looking for it, you can find it. Yeah. But you, it's not, it's not a flaw, you know? And so that again, context and compound specific, even yeah. in a beer that can have low levels, if, if you're wondering if the level is too high to be low, it, it is. It's, yeah. It is a fault. So I'm I'm curious to learn more about why 
and again, there's a lot of stuff that's in the BJCP guidelines that when you dig into it, it's like, well, where did this information come from? And it mm -hmm. might be like, well, this guy told this guy this 15 years ago when they were on vacation in Germany. And then that just got repeated. And, you know, yeah. like, I, I just I don't know, because so many people are like, no, Pilsner or Kell, if you're in Pilsen, it does not have diacetyl in it. It's not the same as the beer that you get here. Exactly. And that's because they've just gotten their examples here. And we're talking right. small, small, minimal amounts because from like it that helps to round out like a malt profile of the beer. We're not talking, like you said, a amount that's so high where it's very noticeable to the point you're just like, where you can't be a brewer and say, oh, they say you can have diacetyl. No, they don't. Nobody can have diacetyl. They say they have a small amount because of the way fermentation goes and blah, blah, blah. But this is an excuse for you to like, have a diacetyl bomb right exactly yeah and it says like even in the guidelines it will say like low levels of this are acceptable or low levels of diacetyl are not a fault that doesn't mean that it's part of the and profile. i can produce plenty of english beers that don't have diacetyl so this is also allowing from examples in breweries over in england on a larger scale because those are the classic samples they've been able to try. No one's mm -hmm. going over to these new microbreweries over there um, because their beers are very clean. Right. Right. And yeah, and we have the technology now to yeah. understand how to prevent diacetyl or how to get low levels. If that's, yeah. you know, if that's and what you're looking like, for. I, when I'm judging GIBF, you're just kind of like, do you really need to have diacetyl in this beer? Because... I can make this style without diacetyl. So I'm not really sure why you can't make this style without diacetyl. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So this, when they're talking about allowable levels or this is not a fault, it's usually because, yeah, like if your beer has a hundred percent Pilsner malt, you know, it's likely that you might have low levels of dias or DMS left over in your beer. Mm -hmm. So it's just a concession to, you know, yes, in theory, this would work, but in practice, this is, you know, it's more practical to just allow for this because if you didn't allow for that, like think about how many beers you would kick out, you know, or like even like if you're yeah, but say I mean, you're judging English ales and you're very sensitive to diacetyl, then you would be like, no, every single one of these is a flaw. Mm -hmm. It's when it's not. Yeah. But the, again, the overall complexity of the beer is added to by very small amounts, but you shouldn't be able to pick out diacetyl mm -hmm, exactly this next one you have is really interesting and i didn't even really think about it but oxygen i know right is is such right. a good yeah like i, I read that today and i was like i didn't even think about that which i also did not think about on our master sister own exam so <laughs> <laughs> so yeah rachel talk about oxygen and well, how oxygen can be an on flavor but it could also be an off flavor yeah, and it's I wouldn't say exactly an on flavor, but sometimes it can contribute to right. Oxygen itself isn't really a flavor. Yeah. Well, so we know we put oxygen into wort when we're fermenting or when we're about to ferment, when we're knocking out. We we all know that that's very common. And we also have always been taught that's the only time you want beer to taste oxygen. And that is true for the most part. But sometimes when you're barrel aging beers, um, like Lambics or just um stouts just like bourbon barrel aging beers you're going to have a slow oxygenization process that's going to happen i mean over time those those barrels are porous there's just it's going to come in contact with a little bit of oxygen but it can produce it can contribute to some of these like complex sherry 
characteristics that you can get from aging these beers or like even in lambics just produce contribute to the uh like eccentric kind of character that you can get that barnyard kind of character this all kind of encourages all that with that slow oxygenation so not to be confused with adding oxygen to something that is not what we're talking about here you don't want to like deliberately add extra oxygen to like something you're putting into a barrel you actually want to maybe purge that barrel with co2 depending you know depending what beer you're kind of if you're doing like a secondary aging process but uh (laughs) Was it you that told me this story yep. about someone doing that? <laughs> yeah, that happened in actually in the first Aroxa class that I took. Um, one of the other people, I won't say what brewery she worked at, but there is, and I forgot where it is because I know I've read it as well, that if you're doing something with a lot, with a really high ABV, like a barley wine, that you can add a little bit more oxygen just to make sure that the yeast has, an, when you're trying to make a big ABV beer. Um, this is like you... the second day of fermentation, though. This isn't like right adding to um, your barrel. But what had happened was somebody had seen that same information and like went to a barrel with oxygen and added oxygen to the beer in the barrel, and then like shut the fuck up about it until oh, everybody God. went to taste the beer and was like, "Why is this so oxidized?" And a nightmare. Yeah, and then it was like, "Oh." Like kind of like the time that you dropped the the saison into the the uh, fermenter that had sanitizer in it still. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> and then just like real quick, like just rebrewed it. <laughs> yeah, it was one <laughs> of those things where everybody's like, "What happened?" And finally, somebody was like, "I might, I might know." Oh, no. <laughs> and they had oxygenated the beer a second time without telling anybody and ruined the beer. Yeah, you're not coming back from that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just make yourself a big ass sad. And then you don't, you don't really need to worry about it as that much. That is so sad. Yeah. So this next one, uh, Vanillin, that is one that actually I got incorrect on the master exam this year because I forgot what I said. I think I said that it was Vanillin. You were and doing that too in the BG. class. Yeah, I, I confuse yeah. those two a lot. Oh, that's yeah, because yeah. or I would get it. I would get vanilla and confused with burnt sugar. Okay, yeah, yeah, I remember that. But in, in, in when wheat beer ages, that four uh, VG will break down into vanilla, and so if you have an aged wheat beer, and you get like vanilla instead of clove that's a good indication that that beer is aged, which like wheat beers will give you a lot of indications that they're aged. But one of them being particularly a wheat beer that is going to, which a a wheat beer will have usually some level of 4VG in it just because of the ferulic acid that's getting converted. Um, But you can, obviously you can control that with your mashing temperatures. But yeah, something like vanilla, you want that in like a barrel aged beer that's a a compound that can come from the barrel yeah or if you add vanilla beans yeah or vanilla paste or whatever like specifically you want that right but yes there are times where if you taste that in a beer it's unless it's labeled vanilla cream hefeweizen (laughs) (laughs) right where you just imagine it's like a brewery has like old hefeweizen they're like let's just change the label (laughs) i can't imagine that i'm absolutely certain that that's happened and i i did i tried an old spike that i had a 4vg and it tasted like vanillin 
So please don't give your people that you're training old spikes. You will confuse the hell out of them. Yes. And don't give me those spikes because I'll be very confused as well. But for VG, for vinyl guayacol, that is the responsible for the clove flavor in a hefeweizen. So you have isoamyl acetate and 4-VG are that banana and clove flavor. Yeah, our phenol and our ester. Yes. And so if you have... 4-VG in your beer and you weren't using a Visin strain, you know, then that is also indicative of maybe you have a wild yeast, like maybe you've got Brett in your beer and you didn't mean for it to be there. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, Brett's another big one too. Yep. Takes us right into Brett. 4-ethylphenol is Brett. Like um, some, some lactobacillus strains can create 4-EP, right? But it's commonly bread like if you taste that horse funky mousy barnyard flavor in in a beer that is four ep so four ethylphenol that is bread and, and a bread beer that is fantastic right you want that in a bread yeah. beer but yeah and i i know that i have you know again if you have if you've intentionally added it you want that flavor that should be there if you have a bread beer yeah if it's unintentional, yeah. it indicates an infection and it indicates specifically a wild yeast infection. Yeah. And sometimes even so like this 4EP can have this like Band-Aid kind of character like phenol. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I've even had people like brew smoked beer, but not put enough smoked malt in it to the point where it just kind of tastes like a phenol. Yeah. That's, why, like that that's why I tell people. Yeah. Don't argue with me when I tell you what percentage of smoked malt to put don't, in your recipe. Because don't do it. You're not going to put in enough for people to know it's smoke and they're going to think you have an infected beer. Yeah. So that's something else to keep in mind with your smoke malt recipes. Yep. Make sure you got enough. Don't argue what, with What's the minimum minimum <laughs> percentage? Like, let's say Amber style. Uh, 15. 15 minimum over. Always. Always. I would say 20 minimum, but I know 20 is a little one, bit scary to some people. The one that we just had on draft at work was 30% and people loved it. Well, if you yeah. like smoke beer, you loved it. Yeah, and 15 also, minimum. If you don't like, don't fucking just order a rock beer if you don't know. Okay, ask for a sample. People. Yes and no, because I also hate when I order a, like a rock beer or any smoked beer, and they're like, "Now you know that's smoky, right?" I'm like, "You think it's smoky? Do you know who I am?" Yeah, but I rather do that than dump a glass of my rock beer that I only made 15 glasses of. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but we'll finish up real quick with a couple others. Like we talked about lactobacillus a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, your kettle sours, your gozos, your Berliner vices, you want that character. You know, if you could get that character that's unintentional, that could come from dirty draft lines. And even pediococcus or acetic acid, like all this can happen in a negative way for dirty draft lines, which that will infect every style that you have pouring. Like you don't want to put gozo on a dirty draft. Like that doesn't make it better. <laughs> like right. have a right. <laughs> That's really you funny. just get much of like a diacetyl and like <laughs> dirty draft lines, just put a Dirt. kettle sour. Yeah. On. Right, why not? Sounds good. <laughs> Again, like people like what they like. So if you know you can make the best of a bad situation. There is a brewery here um that one of my friends was like, yeah, I was just there. And they have this really interesting beer on tap. It was a wild lager. No, no, no. And I was like, "Uh, do you think that that's intentional? And like, it took them a beat and they were like, fuck. I'm like, well, but (laughs) if you liked it, if it tasted good, then call it a wild. If people are buying it and they like it, like you're not going to hurt anybody with an infected beer. 
you know, you're my, not going like, to hurt anyone. It's you're not going to make anybody sick from it, but like, if it tastes okay. And I've had that happen before with, you know, if a beer didn't turn out the way I wanted it to, maybe I throw it in a barrel with some, like some bread just to see yeah. what happens because. Well, and like you said, people sell. like what they like, like yeah. our bill with Aroxa likes isolaveric acid and Mercaptan. Yeah weirdo <laughs> but that's, that's what he grew up with because he's older and he got home right. in the 90s and that's what they all had you know right exactly yeah so you know if you can you can make lemons out of lemonade wait you can make <laughs> you can lemonade out of lemons <laughs> so yeah if it you know it might not be exactly what you intended if you like yeah. it then that's fine but there's yeah. a limit to that Yes. You know, like you can't just be like, oh, we oxygenated this beer. It's cardboard ale. Like, yeah. not do that. <laughs> Barrel aged cardboard beer. <laughs> First ever. First I like ever that. Marketing. See, I like that sizzle that you put on that steak there, Rachel, that uh, <laughs> is a cardboard beer. Well, False Bottom Girl said, I could do whatever I want. <laughs> you know what? You can. Yeah. You go right ahead. <laughs> you go, Glen Coco. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> excellent oh. beer name. Yeah, TM TM TM. I'll remember that. Thank you, everyone, for listening to us today. I hope you found this episode topic as interesting as we did, because again, context compound specific. You can find us on social media at False Bottom Girls on Instagram and Facebook. You can email us falsebottomgirls at gmail .com. Visit our website falsebottomgirls.com. We also have a Patreon. If you would like to join, we would love to have you. And if you've got some time in this new year, please take a couple of minutes to review, rate, and subscribe uh, to our podcast so we can, you know, elevate the podcast and have get it in front of more people. And thank you as always to everyone who, you know, shares on social media about the podcast or, you know, refers people to us. We love that because sometimes, you know, we're just sitting here talking to each other over Zoom. And yeah. You all just kind of eavesdrop. <laughs> and, follow, and follow me on Instagram. Just got a new handle, Charlotte Brewer. Do the work for me, please. CLT Brewer, I should say. CLT Brewer. This has been False Bottom Girls. And we make the brewing world go round. <laughs>